Ask anyone who was working in the airline industry on September 11, 2001, and they'll have a story. What you're about to hear are some of those stories told by people who responded in the days, weeks, and even months afterward. Assisting families of those on the four flights. Helping fellow employees come to terms with their grief. Working on the front lines and behind the scenes to get airlines back in the air with a host of new safety and security rules. Some of these stories have been told to family or others over the years, and a few of these will be heard for the first time on this podcast. September 11th, Airline Voices. My name is Benet Wilson. I was the Director of Communications and Community Relations at Mesa Air Group, based in Phoenix, Arizona, on 9-11. That morning, I actually woke up and turned the channel to ESPN because I had watched the football game between the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants the night before, but had fallen asleep. So I was watching to find out who won the game. As I was watching ESPN, my phone rang and it was a Mesa board member. And he asked me if I knew what was going on. And I said, well, I'm watching ESPN. He was like, you need to turn it to CNN. As I turned the channel to CNN, I was just in time to see the second plane hit the Twin Towers. At first, I was a little confused because I really thought at the time it was just a commuter plane and then realized that it was much bigger than I even expected. Despite all that, I was supposed to go to Washington, D.C. that morning for a work trip, and I had my suitcase with me as I drove into the office. Our offices were very close to Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. As a matter of fact, my office actually had a perfect view of the airport, including the runways. As I was driving to work, my dad, um, a retired U.S. Air Force colonel, called and told me that under no circumstances was I to get on a flight that day. Still not kind of understanding what had really happened, I started arguing with him. And I was like, look, Dad, I'm going. It's a work trip. At the time, I was 38. (laughs) And I said, so I'm going to have to tell my boss that I can't go to D.C. because my dad won't let me. And my dad snapped. He was like, give me his phone number. Um, By the time I got to the office, it turns out that I really didn't have to worry because by then, all U.S. and Canadian airspace had been shut down. By the time I got to the office, it was a little crazy. Um, There were televisions positioned all around, and our employees were watching things unfold. But there were a group of us who had to take care of things. First, we had a group of flight dispatchers who had gone on a trip to Las Vegas, so we had to scramble to get them um, a rental van to get back to Phoenix, not knowing exactly what was going on or whether we we would need them. Plus, um, as a regional airline, we had flight crews stranded all over the country in places that we did not serve, so we had to find them places to stay. Those of us who had corporate American Express cards were working the phones and calling hotels to guaranteed rooms for our employees. I also took um, a few press calls. Um, We sent most of our non-essential staff home because there was really nothing for them to do. They were sitting there watching TV and we were just trying to 
get everything under control as much as we could. My office, again, like I said, had a um, view of Sky Harbor, and it was just really eerie to see all of those planes just grounded, just sitting there, and they're just all over the place. Also, there were fighter jets from nearby Luke Air Force Base that were flying around, so we knew the situation was really serious. I wish I could tell you what the rest of the day looked like, but it kind of passed in a haze. Um, I ended up leaving the office around 8 p.m., and right before I left, I got a call from Brett Snyder um, of the Cranky Flyer blog. At that time, he was a pricing um, analyst for America West Airlines and one of the very few people that I knew in Phoenix. We had never met in person, but he called me and asked me if I wanted to go to this local bar, and I accepted. And I'm really glad that I did because we kind of sat in there and we talked about what had happened that day, and we also discussed what the possible future of the U.S. commercial aviation industry would be. I think the thing that I remember the most is I was just so grateful to be with him and around other people because I had just moved to Phoenix and I really didn't know a lot of people. And it was good to have that camaraderie with all these people. When we got there, of course, all the TVs in the bar were on 9-11 coverage. And about 20 minutes in, the bartender just changed all the channels and we all applauded because it was just too much. Um, especially most of the people in that bar worked for airlines or airline adjacent jobs. I can tell you that I'll always be grateful to Brett for that, the invitation on that fateful day. Um, I'll end by saying a few weeks later, I did end up going to Washington, D.C. on one of the first flights back in the air. Um, and I won't lie, it was really weird, uh, just eerie almost. One, because the flight was practically empty. And two, I could see people visibly praying from the time we took off until we landed. And looking back now, 20 years later, I mean, my memories are still there. And the whole thing is still surreal to me. Thanks for listening. This podcast is made possible through individual donations and contributions. If you have questions or are interested in sharing your story, feel free to check out the Airline Voices Podcast page on Facebook, or you can email to airlinevoicespodcast at gmail.com. For those interested in helping support this podcast financially, please visit patreon.com and search for the Airline Voices Podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, and Airline Voices Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you soon.